it is going to be something that we will continue to like hold on to and keep having this conversation about like, you know, is there a moment we go too far? or Is there a moment where like this has too adverse of an impact on our brand? And I think in each of those conversations that the answer is like, do we care? Like, do we really care if by taking a stand that feels right to us that like we lose business? And I don't, we just, we don't at this point. I think it's pretty obvious that like if we were in this for the money, we would not have built a business with this kind of a bot double bottom line because it is like, it requires us to be extremely wise about our cost structures and like always kind of peering for ways to, you know, peel back costs. Like we have to be really conscious about our bottom line constantly because 20% of it is donated. We wouldn't be doing that if it didn't mean the world to us. This was Max Johnson, who built a tremendously impactful business over the course of the last four years. Simple necklaces that celebrate female goddesses and leaders, born out of Max's mother's desire to empower fellow cancer survivors. The journey from blindly walking into brand agencies on Madison Avenue to learning how personalization and shared values are key to the future success of their jewelry brand, awe-inspired, is exactly that. Inspiring. If you were wondering if taking a political stance is the right move for your brand or how to navigate picking up the phone to call your customers, to have them help you in creating the next iteration of your offering, to thinking of your brand as an actor. This episode is full of awe-inspiring, yes, I had to go there, nuggets of brand and marketing wisdom. And who knows, you may even be moved to tears when you hear the brand's story. But before we dive in, I'd like to thank Miguel Rubiera, who is our latest supporter of the show. He joined my creative entrepreneur circle, and because of fine individuals like him, I am able to bring this show to you without annoying advertising disrupting your flow. So thank you, Miguel. Head on over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark to follow in his footsteps and show us some love. And another quick announcement. You may have come accustomed to getting a new episode of HTM delivered to your app or inbox every two weeks. That is a lot of work on my end and it started to impact silly things like taking a vacation, work with clients or writing my next book. So starting next episode, we will publish the show every three weeks so don't be alarmed, it will simply give me a bit more time to focus on other things while upping the quality of hitting the mark, allowing us more time for production. So without further ado, over to my conversation with Max. Welcome to the show, Max. Thanks for having me. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, let's, let's talk about your journey a little bit. So Together with, with your mother, you, you are running a family jewelry business, I guess if we can still call it, um, named Awe Inspired. Um, it's a brand focused on self-empowerment. Uh, your goddess coin necklaces have been worn on red carpets and Netflix shows, on the front lines of protests and the front page of People magazine, and of course on stage at Coachella. So anyone from Madonna to Tyra Banks and Sarah Silverman it seems like 
You hit the pulse across a huge spectrum of, of women, um, celebrating diversity, intersectional feminism and social justice are at the core of your brand. 20%, and let me say that again, 20% of all proceeds benefit charity partners working towards women overcoming adversity. Tell us a bit you know, of, of, of the story behind the brand. Did you and your mother join forces early on with this venture? Did you come in later on? How, how, did, it all, how did it all start? Take us on the journey. Totally. Um, yeah, I... I had no intention of building a career in retail, in fashion. I actually studied politics and economics in university. And my first job out of college was actually on the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. So I got, you know, a lackey role on the digital team at Hillary for America. I ended up doing uh, some work with LGBT community engagement on the campaign. Um, and, and while I was serving on the campaign, my mother, Jill, who has built her career actually in jewelry on the wholesale side. So she has a gemology degree and, you know, has been importing diamond and gold jewelry to the United States for 30 years. She was at the time um, recovering from breast cancer. She is a lifelong cancer survivor. She's had cancer three separate times in her life. And... Um, it was during this third, you know, fight of hers that it really dawned on me what a miraculous accomplishment it was to not only overcome such a debilitating and terrifying uh, illness, um, but to do it with grace and to continue, you know, running a business and running a family. Um, I was so moved by it and, and I was so much more a part of her journey. The, the last time she had had cancer, you know, I was seven years old. And so wow. it was so different to experience it as a young adult. Um, and I remember in these conversations with her, like she's in a bed in a hospital recovering, like from these really invasive surgeries. Um, all she was talking about were like these other women she met in who were also receiving treatment and how they didn't have a beautiful home to go back to and a wonderful like bed and loving family to take care of them and um how how she wished that she could like do something for these other women who were in her position and didn't have the you know the support or privilege or what have you um and that really struck me that like in this time of need of her own, she was so conscious of the needs of others. Um, and she had always talked about, you know, wanting to do something with jewelry that just felt a little more meaningful. And she had, she had worked with Oprah Winfrey on a piece for the Fistula Foundation, which is a foundation based in Addis Ababa, uh, Ethiopia, um, to raise money for fistula procedures and awareness. She had worked with the Children's Cancer Research Fund in Minnesota on a jewelry project. So using jewelry as a vehicle for charitable giving had always been in her interest area and in her vernacular, but she lacked, you know, any understanding of like bringing a brand to market and um, selling product digitally and understanding that ecosystem, which I was at the time very entrenched in on the campaign. I basically saw like the most robust, you know, digital organization in the world gets stood up in a matter of months at, you know, warp speed. And really that was like an accelerated uh, learning environment for me. Um, so 
we had this, I, you know, we were like, what would you give someone? What would you give these women who are overcoming such a tremendous adversity to honor their strength and, you know, do it via the vehicle of a beautiful jewelry product? Nothing on the market really felt like it was satisfying that need. The pink ribbon and all of its offshoots felt very just empty and trite at that time. Um, and, and I think still very, that's the case very much. It's just that that um, vehicle for storytelling has been run through or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. We've seen it so many times at this point. Um, a lot of that product intended for survivors was also made of cheap materials, you know, rubber bracelets or tin or brass um, it didn't feel worthy of someone like my mom or like these other women that she was going through this experience with. Um, and so we had this idea, you know, let's, let's use jewelry, which has always been a vehicle for gifting and for building connections between people to really serve this gifting occasion of honoring survivorship properly. Um, and it would, it would, it'll be this, you know, luxury product made of precious gemstones and fine metals and have really deep meaning and people will want to give it to the survivors in their life of any adversity and we'll give back as much of it as we can to charity partners so that people feel like they're, you know, making a difference as well as making a statement. Um, so that's where we started. We, uh, built a deck. <laughs> she and I, you know, never done this before, had no idea really what this was, looked up templates online of like, how do you build a brand pitch deck? Oh, so and good. the after we kind of got to this idea of the brand and the MVP, the first step we took was um, pitching it to like a branding agency. I don't know why this was, I, if I could do this all over again, this is not the next step we would have taken, <laughs> but we were like, okay, we need, you know, packaging and we need a name and we need a logo. Like <laughs> yeah. so novice at the idea of building a brand that like, that was really the first place we went. That's awesome. We gone Th to, like, yeah. That's fantastic. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, I was in New York at the time and I started cold pitching a bunch of different agencies that I basically looked up online on Madison Avenue. <laughs> Cause I'm like, okay, where do you find these people like Madison Avenue? Like they're the advertisers. Anyway, I probably looked foolish sending around this cold pitch, but eventually, um, uh, you know, this agency owner who was a recent cancer survivor herself, she, she saw my pitch and it really resonated with her and she helped us, um, build this brand or, you know, design what was the early brand, which actually had a completely diff somewhat different name. Um, the original name of the brand was Awe Alive We're Empowered. So it was A-W-E, the acronym. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounded like a nonprofit. It sounded very much like this cause focused initiative. And um, it, it really worked for us at the time. Uh we were super thrilled with the name and how the branding all came out. And yeah, that's, that's the long and short of it, of how we got started. <laughs> well, first of all, <clears throat> I mean, first of all, I, you know, what an, what an, what an amazing, um, heartfelt, deep story. And, you know, I, I always think to, to me, it is so fascinating how 
you look at some brands and you and and you kind of like shrug them off. It's like, oh, here's another internet, you know, brand, and here's you know, oh, and they came up with a clever solution, and and then and then you you go deeper, and um, you know, the meaning and and the passion and 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 and, and the sweat, right, that went into mm-hmm. it, and and just like just putting yourself bare out there, saying, look, we we have never done anything like that, but it seems like when you put A and B together, something bigger should come out of it, and I love that story that. Uh, you know, like the first thing that you said when I asked how did it, it come about, you started talking about how you were part of the Hillary campaign and how you studied politics. And suddenly all of these questions that I had about your brand, uh, all basically were answered just by your first couple of sentences of how to, you know, with, with your mom being the cancer survivor and, and how she wanted to, you know, to empower other women. And, and all of this is is the brand. And it's amazing that now, um, how many years later are we are we now? Like, like how long ago? Four. Was it? Four. Yeah. It's only four years. Wow. Okay. So, so four years later, how everyone that gets in touch with with your brand can feel that, right? Can feel mm-hmm. that emotion, and and I, I I think I think it's it's extremely powerful. I, I love that the first thing you did is is create a pitch deck for for branding agencies. <laughs> I'm like, hey, we need a brand. You're a branding agency, so can we work on this together? Um, happened a couple of times to me too, where where entrepreneurs knocked on our door and they're like, we really don't know where to start. Are you the person where we start? Yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> and it's, and I it's, wish they had said no, we're not. But instead, signed <laughs> their like crazy contract. And, yeah. Uh, well, it's 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 you know it depends on where you end up, but it's it, it's actually it's actually really. It's 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 a good it's a good gut gut instinct. Okay, so so this is so this is kind of like how the how the idea came about. Then you hired a brand agency. They helped you put the brand together so that you can start uh, going out there. Obviously, your your mother has been working on the jewelry and, and the idea. Did you did you launch with with the goddess coin necklaces or or was uh, how did we you didn't okay no yeah so this is I think the really interesting phase of this journey were these first couple years of launch so. What we ended up doing with this branding agency is designing this logo symbol that we used as the motif for all of the products. So this logo of ours, it had these four teardrops in it that we said represented the blood, sweat, and tears of sorrow and joy that every survivor goes on in their journey. And it was like really laden with like deep sentiment, super symbolic. We we the, the, the logo itself we thought was super wearable. Um, we ended up putting it on all the product, which mm-hmm. was without user testing it properly, like laden with mistakes, that whole strategy. Through this process of getting um, the brand together and getting the product together, we like quickly realized, as you said, we didn't really know we were what we were doing and what the next steps were. And so we were like, we need to bring on a, you know, a leader to the team who, who knows really what they're doing and who can run a business and really stand us up. So we ended up bringing on a CEO from, I, I went to Stanford. I, you know, used some networking to find a Stanford bis- graduate school of business grad who had a Mm -hmm. deep background in retail to come on as a CEO for this charitable brand launch. And, um, and yeah, I mean, suffice it to say like the initial brand was pretty much a flop. Um, we had a ton of interest from different survivor communities to, to work with us. They really loved what we were doing. Um, our Instagram grew quickly. We had lots of different like 
influencers in the survivor spaces, you know, mental health advocates and body positivity advocates Mm -hmm. and sexual assault awareness advocates, all, you know, really anchoring on this idea of celebrating survivorship. The problem was, is that no one wanted the product we had. There was not product market fit, couldn't sell through the inventory. Um, People just weren't resonating with this symbol that we had imbued with so much meaning. And for others, it just looked very much like a logo um, that that didn't carry the same weight. Uh, Similarly, I think this was a really interesting learning in the journey was that using digital marketing, it was really difficult for us to reach our customers because our customers weren't survivors themselves. It was actually the gift givers. Mm -hmm. It was the people looking to honor the survivors. And so there's all different ways you can use interest-based targeting or influencer marketing to find people who have survived cancer or who have overcome a mental illness, but it's very difficult to find their family members. Right. (laughs) Because they're everywhere, right? They're anyone and everywhere, right? There's no targeting. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It it affects everyone. And now you're looking at like a degree of separation. And it was just a really difficult marketing conundrum. And so this CEO we had, she, she was kind of at a loss of how to deal with this. And after, you know, our first big holiday season, it was a complete flop. Um, (laughs) She left. She was like, I don't think I can do this. And I think I failed you. And uh, yeah, she left. And I was almost all but sure that the whole thing was folding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like we were sitting on all this inventory, all this product, no one wants, Um, you know, we just lost this like CEO that I was like, was my only hope that this was going to work. But we didn't give up, I guess that, yeah, that's, which which point of the story which is the mantra of the whole brand right uh-huh. i mean you how could you yeah. possibly give up as a uh-huh. you know three time cancer survivor you know like starting a brand there's no way you got to keep pushing so what was what was next well next was a little bit of a combination of me leaving myself and taking some time away. And I actually went and got a new job. (laughs) I went and started working for a telehealth company called Roe. They have a brand called Roman that is everywhere now. And a lot of men use Roman for a variety of different um, telehealth needs. Um, But I went to Roe to, you know, learn myself a bit more about, um, brand building and product development. I got a job as a product manager, like a real software product manager, um, and was, you know, got to help build and launch different services with them. While simultaneously we were testing and, you know, this concept of goddess was very much something that we had hit on and was starting to take off. So throughout this like weird transitory period, I really took it upon myself to start getting on the phone with some of the people who had purchased the few sales that we had made with yeah. awe or who had shown interest in it and just ask them up front, like, what's the deal? Like, what are we doing wrong? Like, what, what do you, what would you want to see from a product like this? Like what's working here? What's not. And all those conversations and questions and, you know, landscape auditing led us to this concept of goddess. Essentially we saw this trend in the jewelry space where there were all these, you know, coin necklaces, many of them celebrating male saints and male deities, mm. um, but none, no collection, no one, you know, 
explicitly creating product featuring powerful women. And so we thought, well, our brand is about empowering powerful, you know, incredible women, giving them a symbol, a wearable symbol of strength. It had always, the hero product had always been a medallion necklace and it felt just like this very graceful sidestep into what has turned to be just an enormous product and, and, and essentially the backbone of the entire brand at this point. Um, and so, yeah, that was all happening simultaneously as I was like not really doing this full time anymore hmm. and like picking up this other, you know, full time job. I mean, this is a multi month transition process where I had to like figure out how to even get a job as a product manager and yeah. like yeah. build, you know, come up with this whole new product category. And um, at some point, I took a trip out to Los Angeles um, and I was like, you know, we, it, Every other jewelry brand I see succeeding in a space like this has incredible celebrity traction. Um, and I, I, once again, kind of like Max, like little doe-eyed Max rocking around with his little pitch deck <laughs> or his suitcase full of product, like went door to door to the top agencies here in LA and tried to find someone who would help us you know, f make a connection with celebrities, which was a, another really key part of this equation was getting this particular product, yeah on the bodies of like the most amazing women in Hollywood. So I'm going to go back that there was so much, you know, so much. That, so sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, so much good stuff. I mean, really, really exciting. But let, let me go back to one specific thing that you said, because I, as a fact noted, a lot of my listeners are intrigued by that. And, and I keep, I keep, I keep telling everyone that I, that I consult with that, your focus group is is they're basically your social media followers or the people that are actually purchasing your product, even if it's just a few of them. I always say, call them up, talk to them, really figure it out. And then I get this big pushback of like, well, how do I break the ice? I mean, people are not just going to chat to me about a product, you know, like how so when you when you did this, when you were in this awkward position of, well, I mean, why don't I go to the source of the few people that actually bought bought our product and ask them flat out, like. Can you help? What are your thoughts? What did you like? What do you not like? Who are you? Right? Like, how did you do that? How did you break that ice? Totally. You know, I think people are a lot more, a lot more generous and kinder than you would think. I think the positioning of our brand and like that initial connection we had with people lent itself very well. I mean, a big part of these conversations was also hearing these people's journeys and having them tell me their story about survivorship how they got to where they are and what that meant for them and what it meant to like wear a symbol of strength. And um, so much of that storytelling for these individuals was around like, I don't want to wear something that reminds me of like this dark journey I went on. I want yeah. something to make me feel strong for the life I'm about to lead. And so for all that reason, the previous product we had was wrong. But I yeah. think, yeah, getting them to the table to have that conversation I don't know. I think time and time again, I've just been amazed by like how far a sincere and cold pitch goes. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Nine times out of 10 people don't respond, but um, it's that one out of 10 times that has led to like every success that we've had has just been being really sincere about what we're doing, really upfront about what we want and how this person could help us. And getting that sincerity back. Uh, I don't think there's like a special equation to it. I think it was just like being genuine. I think there's 
like like you caught on to from the beginning, there's a very genuine thread going through this entire journey. And I think a lot of people can see that. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd tell anyone else nervous about reaching out to ask for help, essentially, that um, that shouldn't get in your way if, if you have a really genuine purpose. I, I, I totally agree. And I mean, the whole story of you can't read the label from inside the bottle is so true, right? So when you're a little bit stuck just to do this, even even I myself, who who is in the business of creating brands, right, and creating kind of like the essence of a brand, when it comes to, to me actually rewriting the copy on our website or repositioning ourselves, I, I just have lunch or, you know, like phone calls these days with, you know, some of our, you know, best clients over the last couple of, of years. And I just say, what did we solve for you? What did we do for you? How, what do you see on the other side? Right. Because I would never use their words. And, um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I, I very much believe in that power that you have, you know, you ask your customers because they know best, right? And then repeat, mm -hmm. repeat after them what they say to you. So, mm -hmm. um, and talking about this whole idea of interaction, let's talk about the quiz. Um, mm -hmm. You had, you had this rather simple interactive quiz feature um, on your side, and you still have it, right? Um, that, that really made the biggest impact to date on your brand, I believe, right? Like once you started plugging this quiz in, tell us a little bit about that or set me straight if I was wrong with any of that. No, I, I think that was a great summation. Uh, yeah, so when we came, we, we landed on this concept of goddess. We said, we're going to make these, uh, you know, goddess pendants and... Um, they're all going to look the same. We want to design the perfect necklace silhouette. Um, they'll each obviously just have a different illustration. Um, but that was similar to the problem we had faced before. We designed all this product that looked the same and people would come to our site and have no idea how to pick which product they wanted because all the photos looked the same. And those were literally at the time the same, like the same motif. And now at least there was a little difference in the illustration, but we're like, we have to design a way so people will can choose the product that's right for them and like feel this really deep connection with it. Um, and so that's how we caught to this idea of goddess quiz, like discovering your inner goddess, your inner warrior. Um, and, you know, yeah, kind of took ideas from Buzzfeed and like all these different listicles that we were seeing online. And like it, it, it just everything kind of clicked together when we got to this concept of goddess. So I like you said, like wrote up this very rudimentary version of a quiz and used essentially just some random like online quiz tool to build this onboarding flow that at the end of it would hyperlink you to the product that it corresponded to. And it was just like an instant hit. Uh, people love taking quizzes like that, first mm -hmm. of all. Like people, and that was another thing that I learned somewhat simultaneously while I was working at this telehealth company um, was that people had a real endless appetite for talking about themselves. <laughs> uh, we, we <laughs> and here we are. I, Look at us. <laughs> here we are. Yeah, here I am. Yeah, uh, on this podcast. No, uh, but yeah, so I, I learned, you know, do, at this telehealth company, um, it didn't really matter if you asked people 10 questions or 30 questions about wow. their health condition. People will always finish talking about themselves. They won't necessarily check out, but they will finish answering all the questions about themselves. So I built this quiz and it kind of kept getting longer and more elaborate and more like heartfelt and deep. And the the more thoughtful and more profound the, the result page was, like the 
the better the conversion rate was. Like hmm. it was just like it felt like every time I went in and tweaked this quiz, like it just got more and more powerful. Um, part of what is so powerful of it was the lead generation. So, you know, obviously we require you to leave your email address in order to get your results. Yeah. Um, and it generates at this point, you know, thousands and thousands of of emails for us a week of leads that we can then nurture and own and are way less reliant on Facebook for, uh, for remarketing. And they're passive. Um, I mean, these leads just keep coming in like day and night, right? And you don't have to do anything. So, so that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you know, at this point we have a full development team focused solely on the quiz experience and building it out. Um, it's a full year long development roadmap. Uh, with a big six-figure budget, and it's really what we think the bread and butter of our business is going to be in the future, which is um, personalizing, you know, product and experience for our customers based on their personality data, um, understanding who you are and how you know we can tell you a story about a product that really resonates with you to the point where you purchase it. So good, yeah. So so smart. Let, let's talk about the other aspect of the brand, which isn't about, about data and about sales, but it is actually, you know, very much in parallel, um, which is, you know, diversity and inclusion, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, so, so the political orientation of our inspired is no secret, <laughs> you know, and the idea of exclude the many to attract the few seems to be, seems to be the mother, which I always believe is the best way to build any brand, right? You have to take a stance and by having these shared values with your audience, you know, you, you start, you know, formulating a much deeper connection that a lot of the big brands today just they can't do it, right? I mean, they're, they're just politically, you know, they're just not, you know, in a space where they can do that. But how do you as a, as, as a, as a brand uh, navigate taking a stance or not on any particular issue? Um, and, and how has it helped you create an honest and transparent relationship with your, boy, I don't know, 70,000 Instagram followers today? I, I don't know, I think something around that. Like, how, how do you navigate that? Yeah, it's a difficult question and it's, the one thing I think that really eats at me um, is, is, you know, I'm obviously an extremely liberal positioned person and um, our entire team definitely leans very visibly left. Right. Um, and so, you know, from the very beginning, we said that this company and this organization was going to be an activist organization and it was going to be advocating for the rights and for the visibility and for the pride of survivors and people who have overcome adversity. And as that positioning has really broadened to be, you know, we are advocating for women and for all women and for the rights of women. Um, we've, we very much maintained that activist stance. And so, you know, last year when George Floyd was murdered in my hometown of Minneapolis, it was very obvious that we had to take a stand and use our, you know, brand as a vehicle for change, however we could. And the way we were able to do that, we have a Harriet Tubman necklace that we donate, uh, you know, a hundred percent plus a matching donation, um, to the NAACP in Minneapolis, wow. um, and being able to like make that, you know, permanent commitment 
to that community. I don't know. That like was it that was an easy one. That was an obvious, like we have to do something to support the people in this community that we're a part of. Um, and like, don't really care how many people this offends. And, you know, every time we post about Harriet Tubman, we'll lose followers. And that is just, I, I couldn't care less. Um, thank you. Yes, Ruth, exactly. Ruth that, Bader Ginsburg yeah. passing was another big moment for us there, um, where it was just obvious we, we would continue celebrating her heroism. I think where it got really challenging was in the 2020 election mm-hmm. when, you know, we we're deciding how the brand would play a part and, and how visible we wanted to be. And obviously every other brand on the planet had come out with some form of, you know, nonpartisan vote merchandise. Um, and that would have been a very safe path. And instead, you know, we chose to celebrate the incredible achievement of Kamala Harris becoming, you know, the first woman to really break that glass ceiling, finally get a place in the white house. Like what a triumphant moment. Um, that's when the, the backlash and ugly emails and like hate mail, you know, really piled on. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, a moment where we, we, you know, we decided to kind of dig our heels in and hold our ground. It absolutely paid off for us. I mean, the, you know, we sold an unbelievable amount of product. We gained an incredible amount of visibility from all the celebrities who wore the piece. I think one like particularly powerful moment was Miley Cyrus was wearing her Kamala necklace while doing an interview with Kamala Harris. And to <laughs> see that moment taking place was pretty surreal and magnificent um, and kind of like, you know, made everything feel right. But but yeah, I mean, it's, it is going to be something that we will continue to like hold on to and keep having this conversation about like, you know, is there a moment we go too far or is there a moment where like this has too adverse of an impact on our brand? And I think in each of those conversations that the answer is like, do we care? Exactly. Like, do we really care yeah. if by taking a stand that feels right to us that like we lose business and I don't, we just, we don't at this point. I think it's pretty obvious that like, if we were in this for the money, we would not have built a business with this kind of a double bottom line because it is like, it requires us to be extremely, you know, like wise about our cost structures and like always kind of peering for ways to, you know, peel back costs. Like we have to be really conscious about our bottom line constantly because 20 percent of it is donated it's huge we wouldn't be doing yeah. that if it didn't mean the world to us and so yeah we've we're, we've basically come to this conclusion that we're going to continue taking these stands we're about to take pretty much the biggest one of our whole journey so far which is um for june this month we're we're releasing our first ever um, celebrity fronted campaign or where we've contracted celebrity talent to represent the brand. And we are releasing um, our first ever trans goddess. Um, So we're adding a trans woman to our goddess pantheon, which is a really important statement for us to make that trans women are goddesses that deserve to be celebrated as such. And um, I'm ready for 
kind the of backlash. the response for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's I I mean look, I, I, I think I think it's wonderful how you do that and and and, and that you do that. Um I you know, it, it it was really interesting for me last year. Um, I got I got you know a lot of a lot of you know racist emails about you know people told me like go back to your country and I'm I'm from Vienna, Austria. You know, it's like I'm a white kid, right? Like I'm not I'm yeah. not even used to that. And there was there was so much, and and it came in moments where you know I you know I was I was featuring a Muslim on my a, 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 a female Muslim on my on my podcast. God forbid, right? Um, and and I was celebrating what she was doing and how she was was doing it and I received hate mail um, from people that subscribed to our email list which I totally didn't understand right because I mean I'm very I'm very straightforward with my own values right in in, in my brand um, and you know and I told people I'm like oh my god I'm getting this and they're all like well you know like what have you been doing wrong so far why 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 did it take you so long to receive hate mail <laughs> you know because if you if you if you don't receive hate mail you don't stand for anything <laughs> like what have you been doing you know it's sure. a, and it's so true right i think um and i mean look look at the Kamala Harris uh uh necklace uh, that mm -hmm. that you sold i mean there was a moment where you sold um a necklace every 20 seconds and you generated 50k in revenue over one weekend and all of that 100% went to a non-profit charity partner right um so yeah, I mean, taking a stance creates ROI, right? Um, because mm -hmm. we all want to surround ourselves with brands and with people that that we can align ourselves with. And like you said, well, every time you post something on Instagram that that takes a, a big stance, you mm -hmm. you're gonna lose, you know, hundreds or thousands of followers. And yeah, fine, because you're gonna get mm -hmm. you're gonna get three times as many, you know, the next month, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those are the right ones. Those are those are your tribes. So that's that's really great. Um, Let's talk about another important part of your brand, uh, the actual box um, in which your jewelry comes in. I don't know if it's still the same box, but, but you know, I saw it, I saw it online on, on Instagram where the box opens up, obviously exposing the jewelry naturally, but also there's also a small mirror that states, hello, goddess above, right? Mm -hmm. So you can see yourself immediately with that piece. It's, it's so genius from a psychological point of view and, and, and it's beautiful. Um, after you introduce, um, you know, design focused changes like that one, um, you know, do you do you see a spike in 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 sales or in followers? So basically, I always get asked, how can you show ROI with branding and design? And it's a really tricky question. So I'd rather outsource mm -hmm. that question to you <laughs> because you, sure. you you are heavily data focused, right? I mean, you you have a very analytical mind to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, that's that was a big success of your brand so far. Um, but mm -hmm. then there's this huge emotional part, how you build your brand. How do you, when do you know something works? Totally. I mean, the box is an interesting one that we we really tested into it. Um, you're right. It was a big step up for us in terms of like the quality um, and frankly, the cost of the packaging. And so we initially were selling it as an add on at checkout. You could add on this deluxe packaging and get this box and have this mirror box moment. And people love that box so much they demanded that it came with every order hmm. and we ended up revising our pricing structure so everyone can get the box um but but i think it was really wise of us to instead of going for a price hike off the bat with the, you know an untested new part of the experience to really prove that it was it was something that everyone really wanted to pay for and um so now it uh, it is included in every order um but yeah, it, it 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 was 
it, it was a, a little bit of a gamble, but I think we, like we learned to do through that whole journey of finding goddess was we, we audited the space. We bought product from all of our competitors and looked at their packaging and um, got, you know, a, a number of samples from our package, multiple different packaging providers and, you know, test user tested different versions of the packaging. Mm -hmm. And um, we really have built that muscle pretty much like out of failure. Like we were forced to build that muscle that I'd advise every other entrepreneur to build as quickly as you can, which is testing, 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 and iterating um, and making sure that there's a test with a disprovable hypothesis for every decision you're trying to make in your business. I love that. That's, that's, that's great. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, you've been through you've been through um, a lot of brand building the last four years, <laughs> um, and and coming from the Hillary campaign too. So, so what does what does branding mean to you now um, compared to four years ago, where you walked in with a pitch deck to some brand agencies where you didn't quite really know what what you know what that all means? Um, you know, now now four years later, you having built um, a, a really amazing brand um, that keeps keeps kicking butt. Um, what does branding mean to you? Branding is, in in my mind, it's it's all storytelling, and it's storytelling from a singular voice. And I think understanding our voice and what awe inspired sounds like, not what Max sounds like or my mom Jill sounds like, um, or what we think like one of our customers sounds like, but like committing to what awe sounds like. Um, is is what the brand is and and we you know have really at this point committed ourselves to regularly revising our brand voice guidelines getting very particular about like what you know catchphrases does awe use and what emojis does awe use and what emojis does awe not use and like mm -hmm. getting really particular about that voice and going into the brand guidelines, like what does an awe button look like? And what does an awe hover state look like? And like, just, you know, thinking about it as this like singular being with a voice, with an opinion, with an aesthetic um, is, is what I, I think branding is. It's, it's, it's a form of acting and it's coming up with this character and uh, the, 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 better the acting, like the more authentic it feels as like a real human, it's like this real being as this real singular person. And so um, I think that is uh, an exercise that we will constantly continue to work on because it's so easy, like the latest fad comes and it's like, how do you maintain, you know, how does our brand like maintain its voice on TikTok? which is like a much younger, fresher audience, but like we need to maintain our, you know, sense of authenticity that has gotten us to the point we have. And like, how do we translate this singular voice onto this new platform? Having a really strong set of codes and a really strong conviction in like who that voice is, I think is what, what would lead to brand success or what, I, what I've learned at this point. You learned a lot at this point, yeah. Creating, creating this this character and being this actor, um, which 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 you know doesn't mean that it's uh, superficial, right? But 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 kind of like building building the brand up 
as if it was a person, right? Um, and and then yeah. really understanding how would that how would that person react to everything, right? And and for you, you know, just four years later, for you to talk about all the specifics in the brand guide this is awesome. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's that's really that was that was a that was a quick uh, quick learning uh, learning curve. Um, you know, I I always finish my my show with with that question. Um, if you know, if if there would be one word or two words that could describe your brand, literally like three sixty the entire brand, what the brand is about. Um, uh, I call it your brand DNA. Like, what what would it be? I mean, to me, self empowerment is high in the list on the list. I'm sure. Um, what 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 is it? What is it for awe inspired? In in one or two words, what what is the brand? I think that's it. I mean, I think it's empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. One of my favorite stats to like wave around is that prior to the 21st century, men were the primary purchasers of jewelry. Men drove the jewelry market. And you saw that in all of the advertising and in the product positioning. It was always, you know, you buy a piece of jewelry for the woman you love. And it's kind of your way of like keeping her happy is by showering her in jewels. And (laughs) in the 21st century, that market has shifted and women are the primary purchasers of jewelry. Now, Um, a lot of companies very successfully can, you know, play into fashion and jewelry as this like fashionable accessory that makes you look this certain way or perhaps even feel a certain way. But for so many women, Jewelry is a vehicle for storytelling. And I'm sure almost any woman that you sit down with and ask her about the jewelry she's wearing, almost every piece will have a story. You know, my grandfather gave me this. My my uncle gave me these earrings when I graduated college. I bought this piece for myself when I got my first paycheck. Mm-hmm. It, it's deeply sentimental. And I think what our brand is doing that um, – that I I think is so special is building in that storytelling into the product. Uh, not only, you know, does this Joan of Arc pendant symbolize strength and resilience and female fierceness, um, but you know, it speaks to characteristics that that resonate with you as a person, and and we can draw parallels between your journey and Joan of Arc's journey, and like what a beautiful story that is to tell, and how empowering it is to see yourself in that figure and to wear her next to your heart. Um, it's, it's just a very powerful moment. And, you know, we have people writing to us all the time, nurses who wear a Florence Nightingale pendant under their scrubs because it, it reminds them to keep pushing as they are like battling on the front lines of this pandemic. Protesters wearing the Harriet Tubman medallion at the front line of a Black Lives Matter protest. Um, a little girl wearing a matching Kamala Harris pendant with her mom watching the inauguration and seeing a black woman, you know, take the oath of office like it, it that representation is really empowering and it's such a simple idea but i i really have come to learn that like the simplest ideas uh, are can be the most powerful and and the most impactful awe inspiring max um <laughs> amazing amazing absolutely um amazing i i i love everything about what what you just said and Listen, thank you so much for for spending spending time with us on this uh, early early morning here in Los Angeles for both of us. Um, 
This was such a great pleasure. Where where can people where can people um you know follow you personally? Um, where can they get to know our inspired? Um, drop drop some of the URLs for us. Totally, definitely follow us on Instagram at Inspired. Um, our website is Inspired.com. Um, you can reach out to me if you'd like, Max at awinspired.com. I'm, I'm not big on personal social media. I throw a lot of myself into my work and keep the rest of it to myself, but uh, would love to hear from you. That's fantastic. Well, thanks again. This was really, this was really amazing. Thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure. I, I, I appreciate your interest very much. Absolutely. What an episode, what a journey. And to top it off, Awe-Inspired agreed to give my listeners 15% off your order on aweinspired.com simply by using code HTM. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, please subscribe, rate and share the show. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.